ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all the nation and the internationals, although I think we only have like two of y'all out there, welcome to the Quick Pop Podcast. I am once again your host, Ace of Spades Card, just as always. I am joined by my two co-hosts, a Mr. Ronchi Ron and a Mr. DJ Jazzy Jake. There's two nations other than us? Yeah, there's like one in Denmark and one in the UK. Hey guys, you know what did it? It's my sweet, sweet uh, foreign accents. That's that's, no, what attracted no. that's what attracted them. Should, should, I bust it should I bust it back out? Is, is is that what we're doing here? For the love of all that is holy, no. I, I want to redo this now. He needs to have an accent. No, no. <laughs> Alternate take, Jake. Um, yeah. Right. We are joined today. Oh yeah, uh, guest time. It's guest. Time. It's guest time, which is all the time, every time. Uh, we are joined here with uh, the man who literally, forget everybody else, literally broke the forbidden door on this past episode of Memphis Championship Wrestling, uh, a Mr. K. Toomer. What's happening? What's happening? Uh, for those of you uh, who don't uh, watch Memphis Championship Wrestling, first of all, get on it. But second of all, uh, Kay, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the business. Man, so yeah, how I get into it kind of started off as a joke, to be honest with you. Um, get into a Facebook argument with somebody uh, and somebody who was like siding with me. I clicked on his profile picture. He was standing in the ring holding the championship belt. And I was like, man, where do y'all run shows? I ended up going to a show and um, I showed up early because I always show up everywhere early. I've always been that way. And they was like, man, get in the ring with us. Roll around for a second. So I got in the ring, started hitting the ropes and rolling around. And and it was like, hey, you taking it this pretty fast. And somebody was like, man, I bet you won't go to training. And I was like, bet, you don't don't dare me not to do something. So I went to training and just stuck with it. And it's kind of just been progressing on its own ever since. That sounds okay. So, what what was the argument like about? Was it about yeah, wrestling, like, or was it just like uh, you guys are talking about uh, how they're unsexifying the uh, green M M&M? and M? <laughs> He's been nah, around man. for long enough, so I don't know if it was that, but uh... <laughs> no, nah, man, we was just in the ring. Um, I broke it down. I was like, when they had, when I first started, everybody know what a bump is. I was doing bumps, and I was like, oh, this kind of like football training. And somebody got offended. It was like, no, it's not. You don't desecrate. You know, you get all of those. It's always been one person that take wrestling too, too serious. You don't desecrate this. This is unlike anything else. So as we're hitting the ropes, doing bump drills and everything, I'm like, man, I think this might be something that I could do. And then me and another buddy of mine, we got to cracking jokes, talking stupid, talking stupid with each other and he just threw it out he was like all right let's see how you do i bet you won't go to real training i was like all right bet where do i go and literally your like entire, <laughs> your entire wrestling career is basically trying to prove somebody wrong from facebook because if so that is like a heck of an origin story yeah yeah it's kind of crazy <laughs> and you got 
you got the rock like my father brought me up into this business and you got like chris jericho was like oh i started doing indie shows and then <laughs> then you got kate tumor facebook yeah, some guy said i wouldn't do it so i did <laughs> <laughs> i mean don't give me now, don't get me wrong modern wrestling in a nutshell though is just yeah, it's just true. like someone on twitter said i could i couldn't do it so i did yeah. Hey, now don't get me wrong. It was always something that I did want to try to get into. I just never knew where to go. Like people yeah. in my area, man. They, I hate to say it, man. People in that can we cuss on here? Or right, we got to keep. Yeah, this yeah. Go ahead. Go you're, ahead. You're, you're good. good. You're good, man. All right, man. Pe- people in my area, man. And I hate saying it like this. If any of them do listen, a lot of people that there are people who never left their area and, and they're assholes. They're bitter about a lot of situations. So when new people come in, try to get trained. If it's somebody that. If it's somebody that they don't think is going to take it serious or if it's somebody that they know they can just take their money, beat the shit out of them, send them on down the road because you get a lot of training places that do that. They don't deal with them. Like literally, I was trying to get in way back in 2013 to 2014. It took me until 2018 when I finally met somebody who was like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you where to go. So who did train you? Like, uh, where did you go for training? So I was trained by by not just going into a seminars, but my core training was uh, from three guys from Arkansas. Uh, David Barmore, uh, who used to go by Cataclysm, but now it goes by uh, Draven Morrow. Um, Ray Ivy or or Ray Ray, he used to call himself the Suicide King, and um, Josh Cross of the mis of the misfits. That those the three of them, they just combined, just got together and like a rotational type deal. They just ran they led our train my training class. But when COVID hit and everything shut down, myself and a few other people, we just decided to hop in the car and hit the roads because we were getting a shitload of money in unemployment. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and Georgia was still running on a weekly basis, different companies, but it was work out there to do it every week. So we yeah. were just hopping in the car, driving to Georgia, working every week and uh, going out there, getting to do seminars, meeting other people, getting to take in advice from like, I don't want to say the superstar superstars, but people who've kind of been to a national level. Like I got to work a match with Shark Boy. That was my first match working somebody that I would consider a name. Oh, and, nice. And he would give me like he he gave me a whole bunch of advice, a, a whole bunch of crazy advice. Um Another thing that I did, too, is like just to get advice from people, I would hop on Cameo and I would find people that are like 25, 30 bucks like Christopher Daniels. I'll send them 35 bucks and be like, hey, man, can you watch one of my matches? Critique, you give me some information. He actually did it. So nice. And then when I get into a position where we were running back home in Arkansas, because fake perception is everything online. We were traveling, doing doing what we were doing. So online, it looked like we were doing a whole lot more than what we were really doing. So back home, once we were able to start running on, on a regular basis, a couple of promotions was like, hey, bro, I like what you're doing. We want to bring you in, build, build, a re- build some kind of regularity around you. And give you constant rain time, and I was like, "Bet." Went out, went out to a company, couple of different companies, and worked there weekly, and then that led me into what I'm doing in the Memphis. Now that's pretty awesome uh, because you said you did this during the COVID time, where mm-hmm. a lot of people just kind of like sat back, rested on their laurels and whatnot. But uh, you actually, you went out to Georgia, you started networking a little bit, and then uh, now you got uh, you got shacked up with some pretty good stuff. Yeah. I, I dig it. 
like yeah, one of those success stories that's even more impressive given the time that she did it. Yeah. Well, what I like the most about it, though, because, I mean, wrestling can be cutthroat, but I'm doing it without somebody saying, hey, this is my guy. Or this is my boy. Like, I'm not buddy, buddy or best friends with a lot of people. I just show up, do what I need to do. And it's one of those things. It's one of those stories to where if you show up and do the work, everything else is going to come. Because, man, in Memphis, they wasn't going to take a chance on me. And then somebody was like, hey, try them out. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. in there, hopped in the ring. They saw something that they liked. And now they've been building me the way that they've been building me. So Now, before yeah. you got into uh, to the professional business, uh, was it something mm-hmm. that you've watched when you were younger? Or was it something that you kind of were like, you know, I could create, I could create a couple characters kind of go from there just you know just kind of bs with it but now seeing it as a legitimate uh uh sort of profession like did did you have do you have like a little notebook that has like uh drawings because i did look at your uh twitter for a little bit and Mm -hmm. i saw that you were drawing sting uh, i think like recently so i was like did you draw like uh your your characters out when you were younger so and when and when I say this, man, every when I say this, everything I do in the ring is gonna click for you. So I was a big Japan mark coming up. Oh um, way. My grandpa <laughs> uh, so my grandpa my grandpa, he was one of su- super old school, so he was a big fan of like junkyard dog. Um who else? Uh Coco Beware. Um uh, he was a big fan of all of them, right? And he was an old mean bastard, man. Like he he hated us, but the only time he would he would want to sit around us and be happy with us was when wrestling came on on Saturdays, and so we would sit up and watch it. Now, me being a cartoon fan, I used to my first introduction to wrestling. What really got me saying, "Hey, I'm a stick, I'm a fan of this. I love watching this." Was watching Juice and Liger because we used to watch oh. Ultraman when I was a kid. And being a kid, I thought Ultraman was Juice and Liger. That's a good, like, yeah. And then he got in the ring doing what he was doing. And then, of course, that was in the middle of the 90s when uh, WCW and ECW was really integrating Lucha Libre uh, Japanese and bringing the Japanese stars over and having them all work together. So that would be the highlight of it. And then got a little older. Of course, went through the streak with Goldberg. Uh, loved the loved the the heel character turning Scott Steiner. I was there to watch. I, I remember watching um, Booker T win win his first heavyweight championship. But on the other side of the scale, you watching the rise of like people like The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin from '96 to, to '98 and '99. Um, who else? You you're watching watching how Triple H is slowly molding himself into going from the Shane Douglas game character that he had, which I still yeah. think he stole that whole gimmick from Shane Douglas. But uh <laughs> but I, no, into, I, can see it. I can see it. But transitioning that into the er, into the early two thousands from going from the game to like this replication of, of of what Ric Flair was doing on the Indies and the uh with the reign of terror that he was doing. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've always been a fan of it. I just never knew where to go. But like I said, I'm a Japan mark, so I was real big on Kenta, uh, Masawa, Ken, uh, Kobashi, um, 
Shabbatia, um, all of them, man. I, I've always been a fan of wrestling, but like I said, I just never knew where to go to get trained. And then here in Arkansas, it's not a lot of places. Like I live in Little Rock. I was driving like two and a half hours every weekend just to train. So... That's but, dedication. but everything played up the way it needed to, man. I mean, if I would have gotten into this earlier when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have stuck through it because I'll admit it, I, I had a messed up attitude. But if, but if I would have got into fresh out of high school, I wouldn't have stuck with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's usually how it is, yeah. Well, yeah, Ty, uh, you had the, like, the Japanese, you know, background and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh I've got to know how that translated into fat jutsu. <laughs> yes. Man, dude, dude, you have my favorite shirt of anyone in Memphis. <laughs> All right. So had, had, had fat jutsu came about, man. Um, I've always done like MMA, kickboxing, jujitsu, uh, a little bit of craft here. Uh, when I'm messing around with my brother, my, my oldest brother, he used to be an army instructor. And, uh, but I used to go, like I said, kickboxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, grappling, Greco-Roman, a little bit of that. And one day we was in the ring and we were just playing around. We were, we were like shoot rolling. And we was playing around and, and I just yelled at I was like, yeah, that's that fat Jitsu right there. And then I, when I said it, it just clicked. And I was like, oh, snap, let me keep this. And then I came home. Um, Of course, you see the big sign on the back of my shirt. Obviously, that comes from Dragon Ball. So I was like, man, let me figure out how to kind of mold this to my own. Figured out figured out the uh, the Japanese kanji for power, and that's what that symbol is. Just put Fajitsu under it, and it's stuck. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. That Like, that's super neat, because, uh, like, for me, like, growing up, I, I watched a whole bunch of anime, so it's like Dragon Ball Z, Voltron, Speed mm-hmm. Racer, even Sailor Moon. like all that crafted all of that and so like i think today was the first time i saw like the fat jitsu uh i guess kind of like the artwork and the emblem mm-hmm. and everything i was like that is awesome <laughs> man i wanted i wanted to come over something that hadn't hadn't necessarily been done like all right so i always started off with the style of shorts that i wear and people was like oh well you're trying to copy joe and i'm like no nah, if you go back and watch any japanese wrestler they always wore those two-tone color shorts um they even tried to make goldberg one when he came to the e in 2003 it's a yeah. match with three three minute warning he he had some on um but it's like they came from their, their Japanese style. But I, I'm a big fan of Muay Thai kickboxing too, and that was the closest thing that I can have made, opposed to just buying a pair of uh, kickboxing pants. Yeah. So. Oh, that worked so, out. Uh, I was just saying that worked out. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tumor, with right now the rise of. Uh, Memphis Championship Wrestling, get on TV. Y'all are getting uh, bigger stars there. What is some of your your goals in Memphis Championship Wrestling? Like, what's some of the things you want to uh, use, basically, Memphis Championship Wrestling to approve on or to uh, further your career? So, I'm you. <laughs> I'm using Memphis Championship Wrestling like they're using me, obviously, to build a foundation um, yeah. with all of us. Build a foundation to grow the market, bring more eyes to the product, and try to bring something different or unique. I think with me, I kind of fit right in that mold because 
I, I, I feel like I kind of fit in that mode of being something not totally old school, but something that's still new enough to where it's going to bring in either a different audience or a younger audience while they're still able to build the rest of the program around that old school classic Memphis style that they like to do. Um, we're all about storytelling in Memphis as well. The 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 match that, that we just that I just did over the weekend that just aired. That's a 24 week program, 24 26 week program between myself and Austin Lane. So we're trying to do do long tour storylines to where people are invested in what's going on. So I'm trying to. I'm trying to get used to doing that because I'm used to doing indie shows and getting in there, having 10 to 15 minutes, telling a story within one match and then moving on to the next town, opposed to building all continuations of the same story or the same product. So by working out here, I'm 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 getting to learn how to do that. Um, I'm also learning how to work a TV format when it comes down to to working matches. Um Fuck it, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, you'll notice when some when some of us, especially me, when I do certain moves in the ring, I'm positioning things a certain way to where the camera can get it. But yeah, I'm also trying to think about where the hard cam is. Yep, but I also try to do it in a way to where the crowd can see what what I'm doing as well. Especially when I when I do a submission or something, I always try to make sure that that one of the I always try to make sure one of the ringside cameras is right in front of me, but I try to position everything to where the crowd can see what's going on because that's what it's all about, trying to entertain the crowd. But even though the crowd, we might have 100, 120, 150 people in the building, however many the building can hold, it's 15,000 people watching on the camera. So with me, I'm still trying to learn how to fit that balance between both working live and working TV and just blending everything together. And I feel like here, here in Memphis, they're... They're kind of building us towards that. Um, right. As far as goals go, man, I'm, I'm coming for the title. I don't know. Oh, yeah, who, as you should. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, coming. I don't think anybody ever, especially when they're trying to get up, is like, nah, I don't need the title. No, nah, everybody wants the title. <laughs> I just but wasn't like, sure if there was like somebody specifically, you know, in Memphis Championship that you've been wanting to work a program with. Oh, man, everybody. Because some of these guys, some of these guys have known me for a while. Um, some guys who are finally getting getting around me and they're getting to see kind of see how my brain ticks. So I'm changing a lot of perception. I'm changing a lot of people's perception of me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um to where it's making them want to work me now that they kind of see how I'm operating. Um and then another thing is start breaking down more of my mood set because I've only had for the last six months, I would go. My matches would be the longest match I've had was this one that just aired. But other than that, my matches would go less than five minutes. So now I'm in a situation where we proved that what I'm doing is, I'm not going to say what I'm doing works, but what I'm doing is something to where certain people like it. But now I'm in a situation where I can expand my bag a little more and show a little more to really show that, hey, when it comes down to being an actual contender, it's more than just hitting a quick combo, hitting a big slam in one, two, three. I'm trying to show that I'm a complete package. Yeah, because yeah, I noticed I there for were... a hot minute, uh, n- not so much that they were squash matches, but like a lot of years just didn't have a lot of airtime. Mm-hmm. I think you're getting it in, and I think people are sh- uh, sh- seeing it. Uh, we brought a friend to a show uh, 
Uh, I think two shows ago, and you yeah, were one of the guys that really uh, s- stood out to him and stuff. I, yeah, it's it, it's it's showing off with your work. Um, I have to ask one question though. With that last match, uh-huh. the Forbidden Door spot, whose idea was that? Man, there was a mixture of both of ours. Man, we were <laughs> we were looking for a table. Well, we were looking for a few tables because it was going to be a whole lot more, but uh, we couldn't find tables. So I ended up going by like an old flea market and I was like, hey, I found this door. They were like, bring it, man. But this other stuff I brought, I brought a door. Um, I'm the one who brought the sledgehammer. Um, man, I had a direct, I had a bumper from a 90, from a 2004 Dodge Durango in my truck <laughs> that, that we were thinking about using too. Like I brought a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But um, I brought, I, I got the door and then I left it up there and um, Austin is the one who painted it, put forbidden on it, and that's how that came about. That's awesome. That that spot. I remember uh, when you pulled out the door. Like me and Ace just turned to each other and we're like, "Wait, wait, does that say forbidden?" And <laughs> it was, dude. Yeah, that spot was great, man. That was <laughs> top notch. Oh, question. Appreciate Where it, is man. this door now? Um, it's probably still there, broken. Under the ring somewhere. <laughs> you didn't take like a piece of it as like a souvenir. like, we, oh no, yeah, broke the forbidden door. We judged right. after it happened and they started carting it off. We're like, no, 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 bring that back. Bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wanted to take the forbidden door. I wanted to oh, take yeah. the forbidden door home. <laughs> hey, it's probably still there, man. If they if they hadn't thrown it away, it's probably still there under the ring. Hey, everyone's Ace, breaking that door. We're, we're gonna we're see go Ace going in the middle of the night, like breaking in, just kind of <laughs> no. rummaging around. I see Ace. Ace shows up at the uh, the show, like Mickey James and Grisham's there. He says, "No, no, y'all get out of the way. I'm looking for a door. Yeah, it's been on it. Have you seen it? Hey, oh, are you here uh, early to see Mickey James? No, 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 no. Where's that door? All I'm saying is, if we see somebody else pull up a door, y'all know where y'all know where y'all seen it first. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. right. That's right. Um, so one of the the things that one caused me to like really reach out to to talk with you uh, is you tweeted out you I could uh, we saw you shot your shot uh, uh-huh. at Tony Khan. Uh, is that is that like your you know long term goal is to get on there or just like any of the the quote unquote big four so so my long term goals might be a little different because I don't actually have a certain goal or a destination. My goal is to see how far I can push it and how far I can go before it comes a time that I have to hang everything up and leave the ring but um but I come from the music business, man, and, and that's all about, like, music business, girls, all of this stuff. It's all come from shooting a shot. Like, if if you got a kid at home and they want cereal and they, they don't say, hey, I want cereal, you don't know what they want. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's how I look at it, like, hey, this is a place that that I would love to go and work and it'd be a hell of a place to, to put on my resume to say that I have worked. So hey Tony Khan, what's up? I I noticed you you don't have too many big men on your on your uh roster. And the ones that you do have there, I'm not sure if it just it isn't any TV time for them right now. But uh a lot of guys are just kinda sitting around. So what's up? Bring me in on dark. Let them kick me kick me in the face a couple times and put them over and see what we can do to work out this contract. Cause I would love to start working my day job. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I think anybody anybody and everybody's down with that plan. Yeah. 
but but uh, I just I just saw that and I was just like, yeah, I could see you having like uh you know like Asian themed Mark Henry. Yep. Oh Man. wow, that would Man. that would be neat. Man, that's what I get out every everywhere I would go until until they saw me in the ring. It's like, oh man, you're you're gonna be our Mark Henry, and then I get in the ring and get to rolling around. It's like, oh shit, okay, we see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, Mark was more of a powerhouse. You you definitely have a lot more agility for uh for a larger wrestler for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm man, trying to I- think of what your like like your Asian Mark Henry name would be because <laughs> I mean, remember, I mean, we all remember sexual chocolate. Yep. Yeah, I was about to say, but, that's the only thing that worries me. <laughs> like, I, I just keep on thinking like something about an egg roll. I don't know. <laughs> Man, literally, literally the, the, the wonton dawn or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Man, literally everything that I've been doing so far, at least in Memphis for right now, has literally been Debo from Friday that knows mixed martial arts. Uh, um, <laughs> with a little bit of awesome Kong sprinkled in there. Now I'm throwing, I'm throwing little tidbits from Umaga in there now. Um, until I until I get the the word to start doing a little more. So right now it's still show up, hurt people, and walk out. But now, yeah. but now, like I said, moving forward, I'm kind of able to kind of show more technique opposed to just bulldozing people. Like I've noticed that, like uh, I know you also tweeted out about Umaga being in uh, the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, were there any other inspirations or like wrestlers that you see like do some like really awesome moves? You're like, you know, I want to do that. Oh man, so I haven't done them. I haven't done them in matches yet. Well, recently because I just hadn't had a chance to. But like I was, a, I was a big, I was a big ECW mark because my oldest brother looked just like Taz when we were growing up. Oh wow! <laughs> and, um, and back then we had we had trash reception. So when ECW came on TNN or whatever channel it came on, we we thought Taz was black. And it wasn't too many. T- it wasn't too many black people that was doing wrestling at the time. Outside of like maybe Two Cold Scorpio, um, you had Booker T and uh, Stevie Ray with Harlem Heat, but it wasn't too many black people. Um, which is what made made us look to the Samoans the way that we did, like with uh with Haku and all of them. But yeah. um, but we thought Taz was black. And we watch, I, like, literally, I'm a suplex mark. Like, when I get back to throwing suplexes, the suplexes that I throw are just Taz places. Um, I was going to use, actually, I was going to use the Taz mission as a sleep, as a uh, finisher. But uh, but I knew once I saw Hook on TV, I was like, yeah, that's going to be his finisher. So I came up with something a little different. But uh, I just hadn't had a chance to debut it yet. Hopefully you get that chance. Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will now, for sure. Oh, now you brought up Hook. What what do you think of Hook? Well, we like we getting into the modern stuff now. Yeah, man, I like them. Um, I like them. I see what they're gonna do with them. They're gonna keep feeding them people who can who can get in the ring and make them look good. Um, the angle with QT Marshall. A lot of people who, unless they they follow the business, may not know that QT trains a lot of people. So QT is somebody who can get in there and not coach him or guide him through a match because he uh, you can look at him and tell he knows what he's doing. But if something messes up, QT, QT can be like, "Hey, remember this spot? Let's go back to it." Yeah. So uh, yeah, he was a part of the uh, 
the Nightmare Factory like training, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And well, and of course, with his dad being who his dad is, you you tell he been around the business all his life. I'm not even sure wrestling was something that he even might might have even wanted to do, but it's some he's some of those throws that he throws, those judo throws, those you you can't be taught those in wrestling. Like he he has some kind of other training under his belt, mm-hmm. and. Like the the way he does those throws and and maintaining wrist control and rolling through and his feet placement is always perfect. That where he can spring up like it's nothing. I mean, he he obviously has some kind of other training, but I think once they figure it out and figure figure out exactly what's going to work for him, being being a smaller size competitor, and then as he gets older, he's only going to get a little. He's going to get thicker and bigger. So I think what they're doing with him right now is is dope. Maybe a little too soon, but I still like it. Because mm-hmm. he he just came out like out of nowhere. He was mm-hmm. on fire the moment that he, uh, uh, I guess what his first match on um, Rampage. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What do you yep. think about wrestling right now? Man, wrestling right now is in a weird spot. I love everything. I love everything that AEW is doing, but I'm kind of scared that they're signing so many people. But um, someone else has said it now. I've (laughs) talked. I've talked to somebody else though who who works up there, Mm -hmm. and I've talked to a couple of people who've been up there on a semi regular basis. And from what I was told, was like, man, they got so many people. That way, you can give people time off. Like, all right, with Memphis, what they do with us. We do our tapings, but I'm not on TV every week. Same situation mm-hmm. to where you get you giving people time to sit home and rest and or do whatever they need to do. Or ooh, what I love with them is they have people under contract and they're still allowing them to go out and do their indie work. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the WWE, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't think WWE like, knows what they're doing. Man. For like the past five months, man, um, I feel like they botched the uh, title run with Big E. I feel like they botched the title run oh, with Bobby okay. Lashley. They finally yep. got they finally gave us Lashley and Lesnar, and I hate to say it, is it, I've been wanting to see that match since 2005, and that match thoroughly disappointed me because they made Bobby Lashley look weak. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, WWE's in a in a weird spot where like they want to make too many people look strong simultaneously. Yep. And that's not the worst thing, but at some point somebody's gotta lose and they just can't grasp that concept yet. Now what I love what I love was um and it's rare when stuff like this happens, at least from my personal opinion. My opinion don't mean nothing. It's just me. It's rare when you can have somebody who's a heel for so long that goes out there and does something that's so that's so subtle it turns them face. And that's what what just happened with Seth Rollins with the match that him and Roman just had. Like from the trolling from beginning from the beginning of their program to and I even caught it. I was like, man, they're finna turn Seth face because up until then they hadn't shown any cracks in Roman's character. And as soon as Roman looked at him and said, man, I hate you for what you did to us in the shield. I was like, man, Seth finna turn face and they finna use that to, to push him to the moon again. Mm-hmm. And then during the pay-per-view, 
when the first match hit, Roman came out, and I'm real big. I'm real big on hating the fact when they have the champions come out first for the championship match. But this is the one time where I loved it because Roman came out. He's in the middle of the ring. You can tell they stripped everything away from him that made him this particular character at this time. Because he walked to the ring for the first time in months by himself without Paul Heyman, without the Usos. It was just him by himself walking to the ring. And he even had a look on his face like he was dejected. And then when that shield song came on and Seth came out through the crowd dancing and singing, I'm like, yeah, man, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But it kind of foretold what was going to happen with the Lesnar Lashley match because how I just said they stripped everything away from them. They had to do something to give everything back to them. And what they do at the end of the night, turn around and put them right back with Paul Heyman. Yeah. So I'm interested to see where that's going, but it's nothing else on the program from WWE that I'm even interested in. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day that like, uh, uh, what was it? The the last like tag division that I was like super hyped about was when it was RK Bro, and now it's American Alpha, which is not the worst thing, but who's the first person that's contending for it again? RK Bro. And I'm yep. like, I, you know, this is the time when like, you do one match with RK Bro, and then like highlight some other you know person um they i had to remember like when they were talking about hey look the bloodlines all together again i was like oh that's right the usos have the tag titles they just never defend them and you know don't even get me started on the fact that i had to remember that there was a women's tag division didn't they secretly move big e to smackdown big e is officially on smackdown yes Okay. Yep, they just sleep. snuck him over there for no reason. They're just like, "Hey, just uh, well, we have nothing to do for you. They, Go to SmackDown." They really want they really want the New Day to still exist, and Xavier's out right now. So this is how they're like, "Oh, well, uh, you're not champ, so uh, yeah. yeah, now you're in the New Day again." Yeah, because uh, the, the New Day is still selling merchandise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really, really feels like uh, besides Roman and like a few main people, they have a bunch of talent on their roster that they just have no idea how to create stories for well I say they don't have an idea how to like create long-term stories because well, yeah yes obviously like, that, like yeah on all the like, oh, they're okay. fine with doing like a match or two but like if you're going long-term story and building to a pay-per-view or building a multi-month storyline it just seems like it always falls apart unless it's roman reigns seth rollins brock lesnar those guys yeah Man, I can tell you what I what I think it is. Well, that's how we have you here, too, because this is yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, 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 all opinions. Yeah, that. opinion. yeah, because that we 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 all grew up. We're all in the age to where we're attitude air stands pretty much. It's like, hey, man, yeah. remember when this happened? Remember when this happened? Uh, which another thing, sidebar. A lot of people don't give Charles Robinson the credit for being a ref for having the ass whoop as he took from the Undertaker. Look that up. Oh yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But like. But even back then, the producers, the story writers, the people who were were writing the shows, telling the angles and all of that are, are, are creative in general. They were all people that were from the wrestling business or people who follow wrestling. Yes. Now the writers, their writers are not people who are even wrestling fans. They're um, they're Hollywood TV show writers. So they don't even care about what's going on with the wrestling product or who or even know who's what. Like one girl got fired because she wrote a whole storyline, been been writing for WWE for two years. And when she finally showed up to a show, she called Bobby Lashley the wrong name. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I didn't hear that story. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, um, Freddie Prince Jr. He uh, he did an interview with Chris Van Vliet where he was talking about that. So where yeah. when he came in, he had he with John Cena because John Cena thought that. He was just another one of those Hollywood writers that was just going to come in, make a quick paycheck, butcher the product, and there's going to be a whole lot of pushback. But I don't know what happened. They ended up getting cool behind it. But, like, today, there's no... Outside of, like, a few people, you get... I look, I look at it, I look at WWE wrestling and creatively like I look at politics. You get people who have been there for so long, don't want to compromise it, don't want to grow with the product. It's all about well what happened back in my day brother and this is what got over what happened back then ain't gonna get over now unless Mm -hmm. it's a callback that people are gonna understand Mm -hmm. but i also understand wwe is also turning into disney to where it's not just the people who are behind the scenes for the wwe who have a say so on what's going on the networks have have a say so and uh the what are they called? The, the uh, advertisers. The, the advertisers and the partners, they have a big say so on what's going on. So they might look at somebody like like Otis and say, hey, Otis look like Bobby Hill. I want to make him a champion. They can put the U.S. Oh, title. Please. Oh, no. Now, now, you're, now you're speaking my language. Now you're speaking my language. I want Otis to have a Bobby Hill gimmick. Come out. Oh. And and uh, basically call a, a Chad Gable like I'm okay, Dad, and yeah, I don't know and just you. get the bill. Uh, that's my purse. I don't know you. That's my purse. I don't know you. When kick him in the nuts. Yeah. Like, uh, like in all honesty, and all honesty, like and what I hate about the E two is like you can tell when there's certain people that they're obviously gonna push. Like you can kind of see that with Austin Theory right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like back with Jason Jordan when they was doing the whole oh, Kurt Angle is my dad thing, they should have passed that on to, to Chad Gable instead of Jason Jordan. My yeah. personal yeah. But everything that Chad Gable doing right now reminds me of 2001 Kurt Angle. Yeah, all basically all the uh, comedy gimmicks. Yep. Hopefully it'll lead to because it did it for Kurt Angle, it did it for uh, Daniel Bryant is you show Vince that you can do the comedy angles, and then he'll slide you into a serious angle. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, Chad Gable's been working his butt off over there, man. Yeah, for years, man. God bless Chad Gable. Like, yeah. anytime you're like, well, you know, looking at how you're doing, you're next on the chopping block, and then suddenly it's like, oh, he, he invented himself. All right. No, I know. Yeah, oh, no, Jake, go ahead. I was just going to say, there must be somebody there that, like, keeps telling... Vince or somebody in back office. No, you you want to keep this guy here. You want to keep this guy here. Man, I wish it was. I wish it was like the per the purse that they did, man. <laughs> like they lost so they lost so many people they had they could have made stars in. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Like um, e- even even the lower tier people that they like, man, you you can't tell me you didn't have a star in Tyler Breeze. Oh, yeah, 100%, man. That dude had charisma oozing out of him. Yeah, you can't tell me you didn't have a star in, in people like him. Man, they marveled over Keith Lee for, 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 for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, bam, we don't know what to do with him. Which I, I kind of think a lot of that came down to the whole them owning his name thing over anything else. But I don't know because I wasn't there. Never been there, yeah. so I can't say it. But for them to, to to marvel over him the way that they did for a full year and then 
They can't come up, come up with nothing. Look at what they did to Killer Cross. They gave Killer Cross the same gimmick they gave Farouk or Ron Simmons when he first came over from WCW. It didn't work then. They should have known it wasn't going to work now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you got all these people, man, that are dope, that are cold. And it's like you you just don't know what to do with them. Donovan Dijak can do so much more than what the they crazy thing. The craziest thing with Keith Lee is it was like he was on track to having that push. It's like he got uh, COVID, I believe, and yep. you know had to take some time off. And it's like taking that little time off when he came back, they're like, oh, what do we do with him? It's like, what you were doing, you were doing the right stuff with him. And it's like he gets sick and then they're like, ah, kill the push. Well, you know what's crazy? That's exactly what happened with Bobby Lashley when he first left. Yeah, no, you're right. He asked for some time off the hill up from, for some injuries, and they was like, well, we're about to push you. Like, it don't make sense. And he ended up leaving. But sometimes, sometimes you gotta make you gotta do it uh, what you you know best for you. True. And like it's man, it's it's crazy, man. Like I said, the the whole Keith Lee deal, um, and this is another big big proponent in my mind because you can you can visibly see it. You can tell those people there who were higher up that wanted to work them. Like look at how Lesnar put them over just by looking at them mm-hmm. in the Royal yeah. Rumble. Um, yep. Randy Orton put them over. Um, working the match with Drew, uh, you can tell Drew. I think I think that it was a spot in that match where Keith slapped Drew and was like, "Hey, this championship match, damn it!" Like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's go. But I think after he did that, I think he won Drew over. Um, of course, the the way the uh, Survivor Series match ended with him and Roman, I mean, they all of the steps, was, uh, everything, all of the seeds was planted to push dude to the moon. I don't know what happened. Yeah. No, that's it's a shame, but that's unfortunately that's the business over there. Yep. Now I know that we're just about winding down. I have a couple questions and whatnot. I'm pretty sure all the other boys have questions too. But you know how when Cody left uh, WWE, he basically created a list of all the people he wanted to work. Do you have something like that? And who's on it? Man, um, my dream match. Right now, which I have don't a few Goldberg, of them. Don't say Goldberg. Don't say Goldberg. Oh, no, nah, man. Oh, please, Goldberg. No, nah, man. Don't get me, don't <laughs> get me wrong. Big I just want Goldberg. Man, don't get me wrong, man. I love those <laughs> matches where it's too big, big, 20 men slapping meat, man. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, my dream match right now is Joe because I feel like that's a match I can really learn from. And plus, it's something that me and my little circle of friends that we joke about all the time. Like, in my circle, I'm African-American Joe. And I say, in our little circle. Um, but not just him. Um, I really want to work Moose. Um, okay. Calvin Tankman. Um, you got Big Juicy for now. I don't know if y'all know who he is. Um, but I would also, but I would also love to work someone like a Killer Cross or um, a Josh Alexander. Mm-hmm. I would love to get in the ring with uh with, with Goldust with Dustin Rhodes. Um, these are all people that I feel like I can get in there and learn from just by working a match with them. Mm-hmm. Because like it's it's certain conversations that happen in the rain that a lot of people don't see and a lot of people don't hear, and I feel like having those types of conversations in the rain 
while also dishing out punishment, while taking punishment, I can learn a lot from somebody I really wish and I missed the ball on it. And not saying it ever would have happened, I would have loved to be in the ring with with William Regal. Oh yeah, like yeah. that that would have been a hell of a match. Um, I know he's been blackballed from all um, all of history. But Chris Benoit is somebody I would love, love to get in the ring with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is other guys like a Cal O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. A lot of people don't give Bobby Fish the credit he deserves. Um, a Mike Quackenbush, mm-hmm. Super okay. Dragon. Um, <laughs> some people gonna know who I'm talking about. Some people not gonna know who I'm talking about. But if you know, you know. I would love to to, to go down to Mexico to the orphanage and, and challenge El Generico to a match. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear but, he's really busy right now, though. Man, really busy, man. Yeah. You may have to wrestle uh, Kevin Steen to get to him, though. Hey, yeah. But I, but I would love to, man, because because those are all matches that I feel like I can grow from. But we can still put on something dope for for the people that's watching that'll make them want to go back in and check everything out. Mm-hmm. Like how we was talking about people that got released. I would love to work with Master Shane Strickland, um, Swer- Isaiah Swerve. Um, I would love to work a match with him. Like I got a long list of people that I would love to work matches with. It's just coming across them, sitting down, having a conversation with them and being like, hey, man, I would really love to kick you in the face. Would you kick me in my face? And <laughs> they say, yeah, it just go down to it. It needs to be your email signature now. Like, <laughs> not, not do you want to work together, but like, hey, mutual kick in face? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But man, I, man, I, I would love it, man. Not, like I said, not just... I get a, I get a long list of people, man. Like I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there when Shane Douglas was working, um, or been around, or, or been working, or even on the radar. Um, who's somebody else? Sheldon Benjamin when he don't get vertigo. Um, <laughs> but like I said, it, it's a lot of people, man. My my list is too long to even. Mm-hmm. It's too long to name everybody. Oh, I like it that. All right. Well, not that I am not absolutely enjoying this, uh, but one, we try to keep it at an hour, and two, uh, let's just say there's things uh, behind me that need attention. <laughs> um, so, uh, is there any last little things you want to say? Uh, you oh, plug promote? yourself. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if you plug, have stores. Like, plug like it's your job. Well, it is your job, but you know what I mean. Yeah, man. Just come check us out, man. Um, Championship Wrestling from Memphis. Um, type, type it in on your Google, man. Go to the website. Check out the TV tapings. Come and check it out because it's... When, when they promote it as being the fastest hour in wrestling, man, he, that hour really does go by fast. But the TV tapings, you get a whole lot more. It's more of a personal experience. It's more oh, of intimate, yeah, it is. It's more, it's more of an intimate setting to where you're not just sitting in the crowd, man. You actually get to interact with a lot of us. You actually get to talk to us, shake our hands, crack jokes, take pictures, all of that, man. So if you get a chance to come check us out, come check us out. Yo, uh, since, since I got you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go back to work, when you go back to championship wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, you need to tell Vin Vicious we want to talk to him. Oh, I get you for sure. Because uh, 
we are his quote unquote biggest fans. <laughs> hey, I get you for sure. We are. So I, and I'll, I'll leave it, leave it at this. Uh, but, you know, I just want to reiterate. Absolutely. Go check out Nose Championship Wrestling. Go check out K Tumor. He is in action. He just had a fantastic hardcore match uh, this past Saturday. Um, would highly, highly recommend it. Has a great spot at the end that we were joking about earlier. But I say all this to say, to kind of reiterate when you were saying earlier, you know, go to the shows, you get a much more personal experience. Me and DJ Jazzy Jake here have been coming to a lot of the shows lately. And because we were coming and not like immediately knowing all the talent there, uh, we kind of made this like unofficial packs that we would let both wrestlers come out. And then then we would decide, all right, this is who we're going to give grief the entire match. <laughs> uh, however, it took Vin Vicious and his two little cronies coming two out seconds. one time. Do what? I said two seconds. Two seconds. Two seconds. All of yeah. two seconds. They came out and me and Jake just looked at each other and like bet this him. Uh, we have given him the name uh, Bargain Bret Hart. <laughs> uh, we ask him, did he get his? Uh, he's yet to to answer us, mainly because he just tells us to shut up. But we keep asking him if he got his necklace from Five Below or not. Um, <laughs> like we've jokingly said, like you know, at some point we're gonna have to get him on, and then in kayfabe, still give him green. Oh man, they, hey, this, this is gonna make for a hell of a show. <laughs> oh, trust me, we are we have found our spot in that corner, hard cam side, and we do not let it. We don't let it go. We don't. But yeah, uh, so, yeah, big means, big means. <laughs> we don't mean. You can't come out wearing pink shorts and wearing like look like plastic jewelry, looking like you know discount Bret Hart. And I'm not. I'm just not gonna let that go. Hey, if anything, if anything, we're doing him a favor. I'm sure he wants people to boo him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're 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 giving in to his heel persona. There you go. Yeah, right. that's right. that's the excuse we're going to give the cops. One more little plug out there too, man. And this go is ahead, it. man. This is just for anybody who is a wrestler who is interested in being a ref, a manager, or whatever. Don't be scared to shoot your shot, man. Like you can have you just say y'all show up, sit ringside, and do your thing. Literally, that's how I got booked for for uh, Memphis wrestling. Like I showed up, bought bought a ringside ticket. I sat there with my shirt and my logo where it was visible, and I was literally just the biggest person in the crowd. And a certain somebody came to the ring, saw it, and went to the back and was like, "Hey, K Tumor out there." Talk to talk to who I needed to talk to at the end of the show, which is another reason why I was saying come out because you'll never know who you'll be able to talk to. And we saw, hey man, come back to the next taping. We got you. And that, I mean, that's legit, seen. man. So I'm a I'm gonna manage Vin. That's gonna be my new life goal. <laughs> <laughs> come out and just as tag you out, but I got him. So uh but that's going to be our show for today. Uh, tune in next Monday when we lose our minds uh, even further. Um, but definitely check out Memphis Championship Wrestling. Check out Kate Sumer. Follow him on Twitter. You, didn't po- you don't post a whole lot, but I think you're, you're, and this is not a bad thing by any stretch, but you're one of those that like retweets a lot of stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, which is fine because that's how someone, you know, can get exposure. It's just somebody else saying, hey, look at this. Man, I'm getting I'm getting in, in the motion of tweeting more. Um, I just I mean, got to get used to it. So you got to be careful. Yeah, I just got to get used to it. And then I'm also one of those. I'm really big on what I post and who I respond to because mm-hmm. uh, like. I'm forward in certain situations, but I'm against it in certain situations too. Y'all know we're in the middle of cancel culture. So yeah. you gotta be you gotta be careful mm-hmm. with, with everything that you do. So Twitter's the headquarters for that. So exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then on top of that, like I wanna bring I wanna bring up this real quick. The importance of parents monitoring monitoring their their kids. Because Amen. you have a lot of underage kids that are trying to interact with us. And it's cool that they're doing it as a fan, but a lot of them try to egg on conversations. And I stay away from all of that. But I will say this, a lot of situations, y'all might know what I'm talking about, Velveteen Dream. Um, mm-hmm. Monitor your kids because the narrative may not be what certain people tell it. Everybody is the victim in their own story. But... I try to stay away from it, and so when I post, it's normally a video clip, me shooting my shot at a company, me cracking a joke or something, or me saying, hey, go check this out, or like you said, retweeting something. Hey, cool. Well, follow, make sure to follow him, because if not, if nothing else, I mean, I, I recommend you follow Memphis Championship Wrestling, but Tumor is the kind of guy that's going to let you know what you need to watch, uh, so I would highly recommend that. Follow us as well at Quick Popcast, or you could follow the individual hosts, Ace of Spades card, uh, Jacob, I think you're J- at Jacob Derek Six or something. Yes. Uh, as usual, we cannot uh, officially condone following Raunchy Ron. No. Uh, the, the whole monitor what your kids do online, that 100% don't go follow Ryan Raunchy Ron. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, just if you want to follow me, you could go ahead and follow me, but just know you're in for a plus 18 trip. Yeah. J- just follow uh, the pop a podcast on Twitter and Ron will tweet his wrestling thoughts there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that. Me, um, me, me and Ron live tweet wrestling constantly from that uh, podcast. Oh, we have. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I make really dumb jokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. A hundred percent. But uh, anyway, take it easy, everybody. Uh, Wash your face, brush your teeth, uh, get that spot behind your ear. You know the one, like every once in a while you reach back there and you're like, hey, there's something back there. I should wash that more. And then you tell yourself to do it and you don't do it. Make sure you hit that spot and uh, wash your feet. Your feet hanging out in the water is not washing your feet. Washing feet. (laughs) Take it easy, everybody. uh, And uh, hug a senior citizen. uh, No, no. no, uh, Just give them a fist bump. Remember, we're still COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We still got stuff to happen so, yeah. a, a six feet nod, a six feet nod, six, six foot nod. Remember, up is for what's up, and down is for good day to you. So, uh, <laughs> farewell, everyone. Or a farewell. <laughs> All right, that that's our show. Yep. Let me get let me kick Craig out so I have a stopping point. That was that was awesome. Oh, wait, first. Okay. I'm in the right. Make sure that you're following us on all of our social medias, including Twitter at Quick Pop Cast, Facebook at the Quick Pop Podcast, and Instagram as well at the Quick Pop Podcast.
Any of those are great ways to reach out to the host of the show, and we'd love to talk to you as well. We are constantly speaking on current events and would love to hear your opinions on stuff too. So get in touch with us today.